This is Table Talk 21.5 from your pals at Late Afternoon Gaming. Sorry it took so long to make those computer issues I mentioned in the last Table Talk struck back with a vengeance. But we're back for now. Enjoy. Oh my god, my favorite motorcycle man has just driven into my saying. apartment. <laughs> Does he just do laps around your, I, your apartment you know, building? Sometimes it feels like it. And I'm just... I always just hope that when shit like that happens, I'm not talking because I could just mute myself, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Yeah, it, it's always unfortunate. Um, <laughs> it's, it's one of my least favorite parts of the editing process. So um, generally speaking, and I don't, maybe no one cares about this, but um, Nerf's audio quality is is the most consistently good. Thank you. Um, I try. It, and it, a lot of this, well, it's just Nerf environmental a, factors. Nerf has a uh, basement to work out it's of. A, which it's is years like and years of hard work to master my audio capture technique. Mm-hmm. Which is being in the location that doesn't have a lot of ambient noise. That has nothing to do with it. Like, I've talked about it before. We all have the same basic setup. We're using the same equipment. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, it's mostly, it's environmental factors. Where are you recording? Um now, Nerf, you and Jack also share this weird feature where your audio comes in very, very quiet, and I have to boost it a whole bunch, but what that means is by the time it gets to me, I don't have any of like the background noise, mostly. Um, so, Nerf, your audio is like basically unimpeachable most of the time. Uh, <laughs> Jack, yours is the next best, and it's very good. Except that you have a lot of like motorcycles and stuff <laughs> yeah, that love boy. to drive by your place at like a very inconvenient times. Yeah. Um, mine is is the next best, which is to say second worst. Um, and it, it's it's usually not bad. I usually have like a static but pretty low level of of white noise, and I don't have a lot of like extra things making noise around me most of the time. And then, uh, Duncan, yours went from being. Because mine was the worst, I would say. Yours went from being second worst to worst because your new place that you have, it's just like white noise <laughs> all over the place. It's crazy how much white noise there is at your place. Right, so, yeah, I have a lot of, um, like, colonizer noise um, on my recording. Oh, that's good, that's good, yeah. <laughs> um, it's So this is a maybe the only drawback of living the extreme... Uh, minimalist lifestyle that I do because it turns out that if you have nothing in the room including nothing on the walls uh, it gets really boomy when you try to record audio mm-hmm. yeah so okay, boomer I put my furry suit on now um, and that has dampened it enough that uh, that's brilliant right that makes sense yep so that's the workaround okay well let me get started with the ombudsman report um, I do have one more comment just based oh, on the sound stuff. That is, if anybody was curious, the reason that I've committed to not having any serious emotional moments with Eisen is because I'm always afraid it's going to be undercut by somebody driving past my window. So I just won't do it. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's not interference from other player characters. Well, that wouldn't happen in this campaign. We know that. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're we're too good about doing uh, having those good player dynamics for that to really happen. Uh, no, that, having a breakdown that makes about sense. all the corpses in light of Don's like, I wonder what we're having for breakfast today. Yeah. Hey, Eisen. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Have you so ever for been the ombudsman report. Um, so I have said now for two table talks that I was going to link the Patreon for uh, Daniel's maps 
which is the Patreon that I was using for the Master Witch Hunt. I, I forgot again last time. I have already added it to the link dump this time to make sure I don't forget again, but it's called <laughs> Daniel's Maps on Patreon. Um, something I was talking about during the... We were talking about the ad that we ran on Reddit during the last Table Talk, and I... I believe Nerf, you asked a question about, hey, how do these get distributed on Reddit? Is it just going to random places? Do we target the audience? Yeah. And I was talking about how I was able to select a list of subreddits or communities or activities or whatever that, um, like, related or that I wanted our ads served to. Well, what I realized the other day was that I picked the wrong D&D subreddit. There's two of them. One of them is called D&D, and then the other one is called Dungeons and Dragons. Obviously, there's more than that, but those are like the two <laughs> biggest ones. Um, and I selected, I, I forget which one is the bigger one. I think it's D&D is the bigger one. I selected Dungeons and Dragons, which has, uh, I, I didn't check, but they've got like several hundred thousand, and then D&D has like three million or something like that. So I picked the smaller subreddit on accident. Oops. Still plenty of people, though. It's not like you picked some community that has five people. Sure, but... But yeah, missed opportunity. It, it just it made me laugh uh, when I was looking at it the other day. I'm like, oh, I, I picked the wrong one. My bad. Um, for the session itself, uh, I don't have any corrections for the rules because I think we did a pretty good job of looking up the rules while we were playing and uh, solving all of the issues there, like how does grappling work or, you know, whatever, things like that. Um, I, did, I did have a, a silly little math mistake that I'm surprised nobody called me out uh, on the spot for, which was um, Nerf asked how many hit, uh, or how much damage it would take to kill Light of Dawn in one hit. Um, and I said, I have 59 hit points, so it should be 108. 59 times 2 is 118, not 108. Um, so that was the mistake. But the rule that that comes from is that if there's a hit or, you know, something that deals damage to you that takes you from 0 to the negative uh, hit point maximum of your character, you die instantly. It has to be in a single hit, but that's that rule. So that means that if your character's at full health, in order to kill them, you need to do an amount of damage that's equal to double their maximum hit points. But I did the doubling wrong and nobody called me out on it. Well, I figured Shameful. maybe you were just already missing 10 HP. No, no, you're just, you're wrong too. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> the, the only other thing I have is just a... a it's just like something silly that I, I recognize. It caused a lot of just, I don't know, inefficiency in the combat. Light of Dawn in the ghast fight, so the last fight of the last session, he was able to get into the room and then he was the only one who could be in the room with these ghasts for a while until one of them died so he could move forward and then other people could move in. Or Aizen was trying to force his way in, but he had to occupy the same space as one of them. Things like that. And you refused uh, to use your warp thing. Yeah, right. I have several abilities that let yeah. me warp. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought you were just being a dickhead. So. <laughs> no, I just, I, it just didn't occur to me for some reason to use them, uh, um, <laughs> which would have obviously made that a lot easier. Now I also, you know, would have probably been attacked more or something, but whatever. Um, and I could have, Eisen and, uh, what's his name, Kakabi could have gotten into the room and started doing some damage as opposed to, like, just kind of, like, you know, throwing rocks from outside. <laughs> so it's just, just gotta go. Hey, so, is everything okay in there? Yeah, That's part of the reason I was long confused. To that uh, you know, we were having some like foundry delay issues with uh, dice rolling, and so you were standing in the door, not letting anyone in, fighting guys one at a time. And then when the dice rolls are taking too long, you're like, "This fight's taking forever." And I'm like, "What is he doing?" 
<laughs> yeah, no, and it just, I, I mean, I, if next time, if somebody could point these things out to me, that'd be great, but I just totally failed to consider using the abilities that would allow me to let you guys in the room, so my bad. But that is all I had for the Ombudsman Report. For our podcast statistics, we are up to 961 total downloads. So that, per, per that's... Episode. Yeah. Um, for the uh, the last one that we did, we were at somewhere in the ballpark of like 880 or something like that. I don't. I, we hadn't broken 900 yet. So I think that is some evidence to suggest that our ad did some work. Um, now I know that people did click on the ad uh, according to the um, like the AdSense thing or the ad metrics or whatever it is on Reddit, um, but. The problem is, uh, with like the tier of subscription I have to Simplecast, I can't see all of the stats. Like, I can't click on just any episode and see how many people have downloaded it. Mm. Um, I can only see the... Excuse me. I can only see the top 10 episodes and how many downloads they each have. Anything beyond that, I can't see. And I can't see, like, historical trends on any episode. Um, so, it, it's, it's tough for me to know exactly, hey these new lessons were they for certain episodes you know i would expect that people clicking on our ads would probably listen to one of our like our first episode first or something like that um so it's it's tough to say but i think there is some some evidence to suggest that we uh we did have some success with the ad but who knows another thing to note is that uh by and large when we get our foreign listeners um which is to say from countries other than america we'll get like a couple listens one time and then they never show up again. So like Canada and Australia, as an example, they each have one listen and it's never changed since they joined. The only exception to that is this time when I looked, we got some more listens from Germany. I think we were at 10 last week and then we were at 15 this week. So we had some some extra German listens. Well, that's all I really had for Ombudsman Report and podcast statistics. Uh, I have a, a, another short episode of me doing something stupid. Um in my real life. So I realized a couple weeks ago that I hadn't, I haven't bought like new socks in a really long time. Um, and I have a lot of socks. Uh, so I just not wearing any individual one of them too often meant that I had had many of them for many, many years. Um, and so I decided, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna start over. I'm gonna get rid of all of these socks and get all new socks, sock replacement. Awesome. So ordered some socks. They came in the mail. And I was, uh, like, unboxing them. I was going to wash them. And uh, one of the packs, um, I opened it up, and I saw they were, like, clipped together for some reason. I was unclipping them, and I saw that all of them had, um, on the inside of it, they were marked with L's. And I was like, oh, these must be the left socks. Because every once in a while, you'll find socks that are, like, I, I bought socks before, especially for, like, for running, that are, they're specifically left and right socks are not the same um i was like oh, okay so um you know unclipping these i'm looking for the right socks and I, I can't find them i'm like did they send me all left socks this is so stupid why would they do this um uh and then after thinking about it uh for like five minutes and, and like looking and seeing if there's another bag that i missed in this box or something uh, i looked on the package and i realized that these were large socks and the l stood for large not left um the and then i killed myself loser that's very brave of you to admit. Yeah. New socks. New socks and new underwear is always just so satisfying. Yeah. It's just, like you, you wear it. It feels new and you don't realize it, it until you actually get a new pair and you go, oh, 
Oh, this mm. is nice. You know, I had actually bought underwear from, if, if you're like a big into podcasting, then Mac Weldon might be a name you've heard of. They were one of those <laughs> yeah, big groups that was like that, advertising on a lot of podcasts. Anti-microbial, like silver lining shit, right? Whatever, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. Um, but I was like, hey, why don't I try it? I don't know. Um, it's underwear. Like, it's not, it's not like I was, you know, 50 bucks for a pair or something like that. Um... I, they're they're pretty unremarkable like in my opinion like i don't really notice a difference between them and any other pair of like you know hanes underwear i get at target so uh you know if you like them great uh, i they didn't really uh i didn't i didn't consider buying more after the fact because my experience with them was no different than with any other pair of underwear now i will say a podcast sponsor type purchase that i made that i really did like was i bought a casper mattress um just because it was like, oh, that's a, a name I've heard of. And I looked at their prices and I was like, that sounds good. Um, I haven't bought a ton of mattresses in my life, so I don't have like a, a ton of space for comparison here. But um, I really like the Casper mattress. It's uh, it's very nice. It, I think I bought a queen size one and it was like just over a thousand dollars or something. Um, so the price wasn't bad and uh, it, it's a really great mattress. So I have no complaints about it. I don't I don't know enough about mattresses mattresses and I haven't bought enough of them to be able to like compare it to a broad spectrum but that was a purchase that I, I would buy from them again if they still exist I don't know uh, there's a lot of uh there's weird stories about like the the online uh mattress wars um between like Casper and Lisa and like whatever those other like weird memory foam mattress brands were mm. um I'll see if I can find there's like a uh I, I want to say Slate Star Codex had <laughs> um, a post about it at one point. I could be wrong, but I have a wormwood mattress. Oh, really? Does it <laughs> does it come with? It costs you nine thousand dollars, and it's got cup holders that are like too small or something. Yeah, uh, but it's uh, it's magnetic, and so I can clip it onto like other mattresses. Um, it the uh, what am I thinking? The tables that go next to your bed, nightstand, a bedside table, bedside table. Um, those are also magnetic, and so they can, you know, I can clip them into all different kinds of, like, configurations. Okay, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Also, the mattress is shaped like a D20. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not practical. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It's a conversation starter. Uh, relationship ender. <laughs> um, I actually, I have a real, really awesome, uh, tabletop topic for us. Okay. So... I'm going to present you with a scenario, and I, I want uh, both legitimate and off-the-wall feedback. Um, a group of coworkers asked me to run an in-person game for them. And like a lot of other D&D players out there, once they realized they had found a DM, they, they like went for broke. They don't want to just play a couple of times. They came on pretty strong and won a campaign, um, which, frankly, I'm, I'm fine with, and I actually... You know, really want to develop as like an in-person DM as well. But the question is this: um, first, uh, what is the most hardcore DM stuff that I could do in front of them the first time, short of wearing a cape, because I've already got that covered, um, so that when they show up, they know like, holy shit, this guy is the real deal. Um, and then the second question is, telling... oh god, second question is. Um, in a, this is the more serious one. 
Uh, if you were going to start a campaign with strangers, whether you were running it or playing in it, what do you think is good to discuss um, before something like that starts? All right. So I've got answers for both. Go. Um, for things to make you seem very intense, whenever you're doing exposition, have the lights off and have a flashlight under your face pointed up. Nice. And it'll be very spooky. I like that. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> what was the second question? I was too busy thinking about that answer. <laughs> uh, the, the second question was was the like actual practical. Um, if you were going to start a campaign with strangers, playing or running, what topics do you think should be covered in advance? Oh, um, make sure you have a safe word. That's a good point. Yeah, I I think in addition, I mean, like, so you know, the typical session zero stuff cover everyone's boundaries, like X card or safe word or however you want to. You want to mm. do it. Um, I, I also think you should cover like, hey, you know, how, are you comfortable with your character dying and and starting a new character? Um, kind of get I would I would get that feel just so people either they understand or you understand like, hey, I need to keep these characters alive or everyone knows going in like character death is something that's on the table. Mm. So yeah. that is that is an interesting one. I definitely think it should be covered. But here's my question for you. Like, I think. I don't know. Well, let me let me pull back a little bit. I think um, an element of that that is not often discussed is um, some boundaries. I don't want to say are unreasonable, but would are not worth dealing with. I guess. Like yeah, I um, I think that's totally true. And but but I think it's also good to know that so you can tell them ahead of time. Like no question. Like, like you want to yeah. know that that. You know, that there is some incompatibility yeah. there. But what would you say... Or, I mean... Yeah, because I guess the way I, w- I think I would approach that... Like, if a, if a, if I said, hey, kind of, where, where do you stand on player character death? You know, would that really bother you? Or uh, something like that. And they said, you know, I really don't want that to be on the table. Um, you know, I, th- I think I would tell them, like, hey, I, I just don't think this is a good match. Yeah, um, I, I think that's totally fine. I mean, it's, it's your game. I, like... Yeah. If you feel like that would kind of hamper your enjoyment and and kind of, you know, add more work on your side to kind of balance the challenge so that it's still realistic, I would tell them ahead of time, like, you know, hey, no, I'm, I'm not going to enjoy running a long-term campaign for you with, with these kind of restrictions. Mm. So I, I guess yeah. that's actually, that's a really, really interesting point that I hadn't thought of. What do, what do you guys think in general about um, if a... If a potential player, um, you know, if you ask the question, I mean, we're basically talking about trigger warnings here, um, even if we're, you know, maybe reluctant to say trigger warning because it sounds silly. But if, if you ask, hey, kind of what, yeah, what are your boundaries? What what uh, can you, what do you really not want to see at the table? Like what is going to make the game not fun for you or uncomfortable in a, like a, a bad way? Um and they come back at you with something that you think is unreasonable or unworkable or flips it around and makes it, you know, for you to meet that requirement, robs your front. How do you handle that? What do you say? Uh, I mean, you would, if it were me, if somebody threw a requirement at me that I was either not willing to entertain or that I thought was going to impede the game excessively, I would say that. And if it becomes clear that neither of us are going to budge, then we probably shouldn't play at the same table. Yeah, yeah, I would. I would yeah. not want to shoehorn. I wouldn't want to force the game if it's going to ruin 
our enjoyment and probably everybody else's by extension. I mean, I, I, I think it kind of depends on what you're talking about because it, I, I think that would be a space for further discussion. You can say, okay, you know, what can, you know, let's talk about it a little more and, f- and zero in on exactly what we're talking about. Cause it could be something that we can compromise on. Um, mm-hmm. or, uh, I mean, it, I, th- again, I think it depends deeply on what they're, they're asking for. If they're saying, I don't want there to be any violence. Okay. Then that, that's, that's probably unworkable for most of these games. Um, but if they're saying, hey, I, I, I really would be uncomfortable if there was like a big racism element to this plot. Um, I think that that's a good spot for discussion because we've talked a little bit about it before on Table Talk. But yeah. um, racial stuff in a lot of like fantasy settings can be a really cool thing to work with. You know, what are what are orcs in this world and how do people interact with them? How do dwarves look at humans versus elves? Um, is there some history of, of you know that kind of stuff? That those things can be interesting story beats and can give a lot of like flavor to your world and give your characters a lot of things to interact with and to deal with morally. But you can also totally write a story that doesn't have anything to do with it. Um, as an example, Ira Curse of Strahd one. There's like there's not a lot of race stuff when it comes to. Uh, you described our party as a circus before. We're a goblin, a cat guy, and a half orc in a in an all human world. And that, so far, has never really mattered in any way at all. You can play it that way, too. So it, that one, I think, is, hey, there is a lot of wiggle room on this. The adventure that I want us to run, can I do it without racial stuff? If I can, okay, then, I, you know, things that might have added some flavor, I can take out, and it, this, the story won't miss too much as a result. Yeah. Um, or if it's a, no, the whole campaign that I'm running is about a, like, a racial upheaval in this town, and there's a really good reason for it. Maybe it's not something you can compromise as much on, but you could maybe talk to them about it and explain, hey, I, I know where you're coming from, but but hear me out and let me describe like the reason why I want to have this and maybe maybe you'll be okay with that. I think it's just it's something to discuss depending on how important that specific thing is to the adventure you want to run. Yep. I uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm uh it's it's funny that I didn't think of this one too, because um I don't know if you guys remember this, but we, in the sessions zeros that we did before we ran Tomb of Annihilation together, um, I did have one-on-one conversations with all of you about a lot of this stuff, and only one player, and, and they're not in this campaign, had a like a restriction for me, and I, I didn't handle it well. Um, it was, you know, and it's kind of funny looking back because I... I had never run anything before, and I was, uh, you know, I had all kinds of grand ideas, even though I didn't know what I was doing yet, and it was very ambitious. And I had just gotten done explaining to the player, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, it's going to be super flexible. It's going to be this crazy sandbox. Like you guys are going to have all these options, and you know, is there, is there any like restrictions and and stuff like that? And the player said something, and I was like, that's unreasonable. Um, we can't do that, uh, and. Um, you know, immediately like contradicted myself in a, a, a very unproductive way. Um, and I don't, I don't know this group well, but I, I think that, um, it's entirely possible that, you know, there are some hard and soft lines there that I need to, uh, you know, be conscious of and work with them on. So I'm, uh, I'm anticipating having another conversation like this and I, I want to make sure it's productive this time. 
I, I have some questions because I'm, I'm looking at my own Session Zero list that I made a while ago, and yeah. it's making me think of lots of things. Are the people that you are planning to play with, are they seasoned players or are they new to the, the game? So it's a spectrum. Um, none of them are like unfamiliar with TTRPGs. Some of them are not have not played 5e in particular. Okay, yeah, that, um, that doesn't really matter. I'm just like, do they right. understand like the the very bones of like what it means to play a TTRPG? Because so, the system itself is not that important. I I know that they have all they they all have a fair amount of playing under their belt, but I have no idea, you know, what that looks like. Right. Um, well, so what I was going to talk about is one of the problems that I've run into is um, players who don't understand like how like how to work together to solve problems and sure. that's probably not going to be something that you run into um so th- this is just me trying to help taylor hey what are the things you need to hit to make sure they understand no how to that's play the a game? that's a great question and I, I think um one of my players is older and i guess this is an internal stereotype but actually one maybe two of my players is kind of coming from like that AD crowd where i um I imagine, like, I always expect people that have played for a very long time and grew up on older versions of D&D or other similar games, that they're going to be, uh, like, very mechanical um, and maybe will be less willing or interested in uh, in the role-playing element and will, you know, will want to treat everything like a dungeon crawl. Um, that's a... Maybe that's like a you know, an in-community stereotype, but, I like, those types of players tend to be the, the kind of murder hobos. Right, and that's that's something, that's one of the topics uh, on my sheet here is, um, like, don't be a murder don't hobo. Don't be a murder hobo. Or, or, or do. I mean, you can play a game like that. That That's fine, but it, it's, it's just making sure that everyone's on the same page and that you are on the same page as them. If yeah. that's what they want to do, you can totally run an awesome adventure like that. It's just you need to understand that because if you... If you don't run an adventure for murder hobos, uh, or you don't design it for murder hobos, and yet that's the people at your table, you're going to run into a lot of friction. Um, so it, it's either changing the way that they're doing things, or changing the way that you're doing things to match it. In the event that they are falling into that murder hobo trope, right? Um, which yeah, we yeah. Have done I mean, as well. I am, I am, you know, a okay with them being murder hobos as long as they understand that murder hobos usually wind up on the wrong side of the law and are. Um, you know, the, the universe will respond accordingly. Uh, and, and to provide a little more context, I am planning on running Curse of Strahd because it's easy for me and I don't have to prepare anything. Um, but I'm probably going to run a simpler, uh, more, like, combat-oriented Curse of Strahd and, a, like, a less uh, character and faction-driven version. But that um, really, that's that's up to how they respond to it. I mean, if it turns out that that's the element of the game that they excel at, then I'll lean that way. I I would make a recommendation for um, have your like have them start at level one somewhere that's totally unrelated to Curse of Strahd, and have them like just do some as like a warm up, like maybe for one, two, three sessions. Mm-hmm. Do some other stuff that is totally unrelated, and then have them end up at the inn at Daggerford and then start the adventure. So they're already a party. They've already done some things and you've had a better chance to figure out what it is that they're into and how they work together. Yeah. Um, before, and then, cause that can help you figure out what changes you want to make and 
how to style the campaign itself before you actually get into it. Yeah, I had planned on doing an unrelated one-shot to start, but I hadn't thought to chain them together like that. I like that idea. Some other things that um, I, I have on this list that I, you know, again, I don't know these people, but... Um, well, neither you do know, I. Stuff like stuff like drinking at the table. Um like, some people really love to get drunk when they play Dungeons & Dragons, and some people really like that. I find it infuriating. Oh, um, but it makes it so much more fun for everybody else at the table, you know? Uh, right. Right. Really, so really that, moves the game forward. Um, like, that is a huge thing to kind of discuss beforehand of what expectations are, because depending on who they played with before, when they played, you know, those group dynamics can be very, very different, and... Uh, that, that to me is a big sticking point <laughs> or or can become one if it goes unmanaged because it's again one of those expectation mismatches that can cause some uh, custom friction right yeah I, uh, I definitely agree with that um, other well, things well let's let's I, I just, open it up a little bit I, I, I want to hear more of yours Shepard but um, I want to jack and nerf to chime in as well if, if you guys have anything. Yeah, it's I'm hard for me to gonna... say because I've only ever played with one group and I've never run a game, so. Mm. I'm actually going to grab a, my pizza out of the oven real quick. I'll be right back. Oh, my God. Yeah, so thanks for listening in, Pug. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. Well, I guess I'll go fuck myself then. Uh-huh. Um, that's, well, that's a good, you know, should you be able to masturbate at the table? Yeah, it's a, that's a good question. And that's something we I've would have been, to we would compromise in no uncertain terms that I can't do it on flights anymore. But, you know, can I do it at the table? <laughs> I mean, I think certain airlines allow it. <laughs> um, well, Shepard, back to you. Um, no, I, I just, again, I just have a list of, of things that I'm, I'm looking at here. One of them is talking about, um, you know, metagaming, table talk. Um, you know, what what are you okay with? What are you not? Um, mm-hmm. Like my, there, as an example, in combat, one thing that you could do is, you know, you've got a couple sliders, like if... Hey, if table talk is increasing, that's fine. I'm just going to make combat harder to compensate. Um, you know, I don't really care if you talk. <laughs> you know, I'm going I'm to make it so that if you want to talk, you're going to have to talk out of game to figure out how to beat these things if that's what you want to do. Um, or something like that. You, like, you can play it either way, but you can also just discuss it ahead of time and say, Hey, um, you know, let's... If someone fails on a on a check and they get they get a three on some skill check and I tell them that they're confident they're wrong or sorry, confident that they're right even though they failed, then your character isn't going to think to roll. Um, you know, the fact that you know that they failed, you know, doesn't mean your character does or something like that. You know, how much of that kind of stuff do you want your, your players to do? How much do you care? Right. Um, and it, it's okay to not care or it's okay to have that be a big sticking point as long as you discuss it. Mm-hmm. Um, and make sure that the expectations are clear. Um, cell phones at the table, you know, distractions, those kinds of things... Um, you you're usually pretty good about this, but you know, talking about unannounced die rolls, like you don't just hey, I rolled investigation. What happens? No, like that's not how it works. Um, let's see. You you've already got rules about player on player rolls, uh, rules debates, rules lawyering. Um, mm-hmm. you know, are you okay with stopping the game to look up a rule, or do you want to just move on and and look it up later? Uh, those those kinds of things, and then I, I have on the bottom I have a list of some potentially taboo topics that that people might um, Ooh, not you, want in their game. What do you have? So I, I have gender, sexual orientation. <laughs> um, uh, I put uh, 
I don't, I don't know what the right way to say this is, like, um, improper sexual conduct <laughs> um, in general. Sure. Um, sexual deviance, we call it. Mm, sexual immorality is what, no, uh, what it's called in the uh, Dungeon Master's game. <laughs> um, no, I, I, know, like, I know what you mean. Like, you're talking about like, like sexual assault, assault and, and rape. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Um, racism and prejudice. And, okay. um, vampires. Uh, other stuff <laughs> yeah, like Yeah, can, don't let like, your players play vampires. Mm-hmm. Cannibalism or something like that. Like, none of these things are essential to the, you know the way you play these games. But it, again, let's take cannibalism. That can be a really interesting, you know, thing for an enemy or like some cult or something to do. That sure. you know, obviously, immediately makes them, um, you know, it's sort of antithetical to whatever your like good characters are probably going for. Yeah. Um, so, but it, is there for whatever reason? Is is that like a, a topic, or is that is that too far for some people? Is that not something that they they want to experience in this fantasy world? Um, so, like, most people probably aren't going to care about any of those things too much, but some people might. Um, and so, it's a good thing to bring up if you're playing with a bunch of older guys. They're probably not going to care about any of that, just stereotypically. Right. Um, to be like, cannibalism, sure, why not? My, I was actually planning on playing a cannibal. You're like, oh, okay, great. Uh, but um, another thing to talk about is, and depending on who you're playing with, this might not matter, but like, how, like, can they play an evil character? Um, because for some players, that might be what they want to do. Hey, I want to play a bad guy. Um, you know, I'll roll around with the good guys, but I want my character to be evil. Um, is that something that you're okay with, or are you going to make that off limits? Because um, mm. evil characters within a party of good characters can tend to cause a lot of friction when they eventually actually do something evil. Um, and it, it can, it has a tendency to ruin player and party dynamics sure. in a way that, in theory, you can do it just fine, but in practice, it, it can get people really butthurt. Um, and then I, I have a note here about just rules in general when it's talking about, hey, don't be a lone wolf, you know, murder hobos, that kind of stuff. And it's the point that, hey, these rules aren't there just to limit you arbitrarily. It's to like, it's to focus your, you know, your conduct in a way that is beneficial to the party and everyone at the table. I mean, to make a more interesting story. If you just roll into town and start killing and stealing immediately, you're missing the chance to actually do something meaningful. Um, uh, as opposed to just like wanton destruction. And so... You know, I'm not. I'm not telling you not to be a murder hobo just because I hate it when people have fun. I'm saying I think you'll have more fun if you don't do that. And so I'm trying to, you know, convey the point that these restrictions are are there for your benefit, not to to ruin your fun. Right. Oh, these are good points. Nerf has your pizza. So good that he never Must came Must be back. pretty good. Well, let me let me just very quickly run through my list. I think uh, we have a lot in common, um, but. Uh, so I have, um, you know, logistics stuff like, hey, how are we going to handle absences and lateness, breaks, um, tools, things like D&D Beyond, um, and what I've done for them is I gave them a, I, I made a, a campaign in D&D Beyond so that they can use that to make their characters, but they don't have to, and that gives them access to the, uh, all the source books and things like that without having to pay for them, um, and just general kind of scheduling stuff, like how long are we planning on playing? Um, yeah, that's 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 what I was going to bring up is 
yeah. you're probably gonna have a big mismatch between people of hey man like when i play D, &D it's a like that's that's my day and then other people are like i can spare an hour right <laughs> so. and so in this case this is a pretty tight like we're playing mondays five to eight after work that's it um and so you know on the on the one hand that's nice because it's a pretty small footprint in terms of you know how much time it's going to take up on the other hand it means that people need to be ready to go um because anyone who's done this sort of stuff before knows that uh you know three hours a week is just not a tremendous amount of time to try to do this and if somebody's 15 minutes late and then somebody else has to leave early or something like that like that's uh especially if people don't take good notes and you spend a lot of time recapping um you know that's uh it's not much time but you know we'll talk logistics and uh Given, I mean, given that everybody in the group is an adult with stuff to do, and I, I think I'm going to have four players probably, um, my guess is that it'll be the rare session that all four of them are there. But I think I'm just going to charge through. Like, I'm not going to try to do a Monster of the Week thing. Um, because I'm just trying to keep probably this Probably a good one, call. Otherwise, I'm trying to keep it simple. Years. Yeah. Um, then there's, like, player behavior stuff. So alcohol is at the top of my list. Um, and frankly, I'm a... Especially for people who haven't played much and are maybe a little bit nervous. I'm a big proponent of, you know, having a drink or two, but the older I get and the more I play, the more irritated I get with people that get sloppy. Um, especially with stuff like Delta Green, where they need to be, like, trying to solve a mystery or something. Um, that can get really frustrating. Uh, so, you know, recommend it if, if you're able to handle yourself and if you're not I'm going to ask you not um, attention is one like if, if we're I, I guess my, my general policy on this sort of stuff has been like if you miss something if you miss a thing or two I'll repeat it back to you but if you are missing a lot like if you're um, if I'm constantly being asked to repeat myself because the player was obviously distracted and they want to know what an NPC told them several times or something like that my stance is kind of um you know this is no different from real life where if you had a conversation with someone and that conversation ended and you want to know what they said to you like you don't know so my my you know in a nutshell it's if you miss one thing i'll help you out if you miss everything i won't um yeah that makes sense i'm sorry and could you then, repeat uh, everything you just said i wasn't paying attention yeah uh things like uh note taking like i, I really strongly encourage note taking and I like having players recap at the beginning of a session and um, the kind of giving an inspiration to a player that volunteers to do the recap, I, I have found to be a successful policy. Like I like, uh, I like the recaps that are done here. I, uh, you know, I played a couple of other tables where, where people have a similar policy and I think it's a healthy thing to have. Um, cell phones. Um, this is another... Uh, cell phones fall into the same camp as alcohol. Like, if it's not a problem, it's not a problem. Um, but some people really shouldn't have their cell phones anywhere near them when they're playing stuff like this. So, at an in-person game, that can be tricky because a lot of people want to use their cell phones to... Um, for their character sheet. Like, they'll have the D&D Beyond app, um, which I think supports character sheets. I have no idea. Um, it does. It does. It does. Okay. And, uh, you know, so if they're doing that, then sure, have it in front of you. But I'm highly recommending, like, 
if you're going to do that, put your phone in do not disturb mode um, or something that is going to prevent you from getting notifications in game. Um, unless, uh, you know, if it's, if it's silly stuff, like if, if, um, I mean, no, no reason to beat this to death, but if you are putting something in your hand, that's going to be a distraction, you know, please don't, um, character party. The way you, the way you control that is you just buy four Samsung tablets and th mm. that's all they get to use because those oh, are like I, 150 I, bucks each. I was just going to buy a jam. I'll, I'll do one better. The Amazon Kindle fires are like 40 bucks uh -huh. each. There you go. Okay, great. Yeah, you do one of those, boom. Now everyone <laughs> right. puts yep. their phone in the microwave uh, and you turn it on as soon as they get there. So so what happens is they roll up and they pull their phones out and I say, no, if you need D&D Beyond, you can use this tablet. And I just swipe their phones off the table and then I look at them and go, check me. And that's it. I love that. Yeah. You already have the, the Faraday backpack you can put them in too. That's true. Um, character party fit. So, uh, you know, you, this kind of goes along with like, you need to make a character that is an adventurer. And similarly, you need to make a character that will mesh to some reasonable degree with the party. Um, uh, dice rolls against other players. My policy is only if they consent. Um, like, I, I really don't like it when people do things like, I want to try to persuade him. Can I, can I roll persuade? Like, no, you cannot. I'm going to steal all of his money. <laughs> right? You know, this is just... Uh, you wake up and you're missing all of your gold. It's a bad idea. So, um, I, I have seen, I've seen it go well where like both people agree and it's funny. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't allow players to roll against each other unless they're both on board. Um, One thing you might want to consider is, um, having like your first session as a meetup be character creation where you work together as a party to develop characters that should mesh together as opposed to everyone just showing up with a character and, and trying to then morph them into something else. I I like that idea. However, what I have found, and, and this group is not an exception, is um, as soon as they find out someone's going to run D&D for them, everyone wants to like run home and make characters. Um, so I don't think that's going to be something I can realistically do with this group. But if, if it becomes a problem during the, um, you know, the one shot kind of character trial period, because I, what, I, what I'm trying to do with the first couple of sessions is give them an opportunity to abandon those or change the characters if they want different ones before we get into a campaign. Um, but yeah, I, I like that idea. I just don't think it fits with, with the current situation. Um, I've got disruptive or unrelated topics here. So this is sort of like chatter at the table. Um, there's sort of like, uh, oh, encouragement, encouragement versus judgment. So this is essentially yes and. Um, how to deliver feedback both to me as the DM and to other players. Uh, food at the table, metagaming. For anyone in the audience here who's not familiar with what yes and means, because I think a lot of people wouldn't be. Oh, sure. It's so the, yes. the general idea in entertainment where if you're, if you have multiple people in like a podcast or anything improvisational and somebody does something or says something that could be shut down don't shut it down you you say instead of saying no you say yes and and you you continue the chain because uh, otherwise people will try to set up something funny or interesting and you'll just say no i'm not going to do that and then anything interesting that could have happened dies so 
Yes, right. and is the the idea that you should take what other people are giving you and play off of it instead of just shutting it down. Right, yeah, and it turns it from like a tug of war into, you know, everyone adding to the momentum of whatever's happening. Yeah, it's supposed to be collaborative, right? So Yeah. And and, and it's I mean, even if you have the best idea in the world, if somebody else tries something and you pour cold water on it before you try to launch your thing, it's not gonna work. Yeah, you're an asshole. Um, well, and there's something that I think is important to talk about with Yes And, and maybe this is just me, but um, I think about it a lot with our podcast and other things that we do, is that I think one of the things that gets in the way of, of Yes And the most is when people make the same joke over and over. Um, if you make the same joke repeatedly, like, people aren't going to want to engage with it because it, it loses all of its punch. And so, like, one of the things that's important is... If you're if you're not getting feedback on something, don't keep repeating it um, because it's not going to get better. And you're just you're like you're crippling the joke's ability to like do something new. Sure, um, and I mean I, I think that's the flip side of it is don't. But if someone is going in one direction, you should generally try to you know agree with what they're doing. And if you want to do something a little different, steer. Don't try to put it in reverse. But at the same time, don't execute things that you think are going to require excessive steering. Um, right. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it, this is not like a license to just go off the rails, but it's, uh, it, it's, it should be collaborative. Um, and so metagaming, min-maxing, and murder hobos are things that we've already talked about. Um, let's see. Uh, stuff like player agency. I think my, the, my big note here is, is um, I... Well, I, this is really applicable, I think, in games like Delta Green, where um, if you're running like a game that has mysteries, or it, where the players are supposed to be solving some kind of mystery, I think it's not obvious to a lot of people that like a mystery novel or a mystery movie um, probably wouldn't actually be viable as like a real mystery they could solve. Like, what what makes a compelling story often does not actually lend itself to being solved by a reasonable person with any kind of chance of success. Um, where, like, the, the leaps of logic that are required um, in a lot of media like that, if you just put those clues in front of a, a player and see what they do with them, like, they'll never get where they need to go. Um, and so, um, kind of taking this into the TTRPG world, if you let players do... If you give them maximum agency and you put things in front of them and you let them interact with them and make decisions and they genuinely have room to maneuver, they will find dead ends. They will go in directions that do not advance the plot. Um, and they... Things may take longer and they may get sidetracked and it, it could be confusing and in some cases unsatisfying. And... Um, Sometimes that is interesting and it enriches the whole thing and it makes it that much more satisfying when things do pay off. And sometimes it's just frustrating. And so um, I, I, I think it's important for the whole group to figure out, you know, what are we really looking for here? Do we want the aesthetic of, to stick with this example, mystery? Or do we actually, do we like having clues put in front of us and, and having to actually solve something? So, um... I think that uh, having a lot of agency was, to, to revisit the same point over and over again, was not well handled in um, Tomb of Annihilation because there were a lot of options put in front, but 
maybe the decisions didn't matter so much and it was never really clear which way to go. Um, I wasn't good at like balancing hints with freedom against Curse of Strahd where you have a few options and uh, your investigations mean something and you're not hemmed in and you don't have to make any particular decision but your decisions are impactful and it's clear that if you had done things a different way things may have turned out differently um, but I don't think that would suit all groups I think some people would find that really frustrating yeah, something that I I appreciate more about the way we're doing this Curse of Strahd one as opposed to Tomb of Annihilation is the things that we do feel related to, like, other things that we've done. Um, like, and that, that sounds silly, but, like, when I do something in Valaki, it doesn't seem like that's totally disconnected from things that happen in Crash or Barovia. Um, like, the things that we've done have an impact in a lot of places, whereas Tomb of Annihilation... You're just, it feels like you're just going into a different dimension and doing whatever you want and then going into another dimension every time you go somewhere new. Yeah. Um, and, and that it, they're basically totally unrelated to everything else that's going on. Um, it's just these little pockets of adventure across like a theoretically connected area, but in practice, there's, there's no connection actually happening. Right. Oh, Nerf, before I forget about this, since you are, uh, of our group, the only one who lives locally uh, with me, if you're free... Mondays, 5 to 8, uh, you are welcome to join this game. It could be interesting. Okay, I am, uh, I'm definitely interested, but let me, um, let me check with my secretary and make sure my schedule's clear. Yeah, yeah, I'll have my people <laughs> fax over the details to your people. Um, yeah, talk to my lawyer. Yeah. This is also, um, you know, it's totally kosher if, if you're intermittently available. Okay. Um, but no, like, I, I'm trying to take advantage of... Uh, the apartment that I'm living in has conference rooms down on the first floor. So um, I can just have people over in, like, a public part of my apartment building. And it's very easy for me to get down there and run it um, at, like, a big table. But then uh, I don't actually have to allow anyone access to my place. So uh, uh, Now, of course, Nerf, you would have to... Um, you know, you'd have to hide all of your experience. We would have to pretend. Yeah, I would. Know I would come in, you know, and be like, "What's a dungeon and dragon?" Right. No, I think you should come in with all of the like all your best equipment. Bring like three dice trays. Bring yeah, four dice with, towers. I'm, bring your I'm adventures level log nine. sheet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like clearly forged. Like I have a level twenty character. Yeah, um, yeah. This is my but license like, to take it to any table. He has I want. seventeen attunement slots, and all of them are filled with legendary mm-hmm. items. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just like 17 Holy Avengers. Yeah, it's got I, you've I like forged Terry Gygax's signature yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he would have wanted me to have this. I, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, let's see. Oh, PC Secrets is another one I have on here. So um, I strongly encourage players that want their player character to have a secret that they, they share it with the Dungeon Master. Um this can take a lot of different forms. What if forms. I wanted to be a surprise for everybody at the table, <laughs> including you? Yeah, well, then you know, you know, definitely keep that to yourself. Yeah, the, the, I'll be the maximally twist comes surprised out later. That way. I'll be like, "Did you know that I'm actually a demigod?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> um, player expectations and goals. So this is a big focus of a session zero. You know, what what parts of the game do you enjoy or not enjoy, and what do you want to accomplish with your character? Um, and then things like, what does your ideal session or campaign look like? 
Um, so just trying to get a feel for you know, what people like and what they don't like and coming up with something that satisfies everybody. Uh, rules debates is a big one. I, I think I, I really haven't changed like my stance on rules debates, um, which is, you know, if it's a, if it's obviously wrong, uh, especially if it's a big deal, like just address it in the moment. But if it can wait, let it. Just put a pen in it, and then we can address it later. Um, and I, th- I think that's pretty much it. Um, th- there's a, there's more for character creation. Like I have another list for session zero, which is a little more personalized. Um, and involves things like how to handle alignment and um, allowable races and classes, that kind of stuff. Um, but, oh, actually, sorry, I have another list here. So I, I have an ethical concerns, like, trigger warning section, like, handling things like attraction, gender, racism and prejudice, relationships, uh, sexual assault and rape, sexual orientation. I don't know why I have attraction and sexual orientation on here. Um and slavery. Um, but I also have another one, which is, um, like the concept of things occurring on screen versus off screen. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would be uncomfortable with, or like, it, it makes sense that in a lot of fantasy settings, you're going to encounter instances of torture. You know, like a bad guy is going to torture someone for information or, you know, people are being tortured in, in his dungeons or something like that. But it's very different for that to be a part of the lore, something you hear about, maybe part of someone's backstory. Um, and it's very different to have torture graphically described to you, um, especially if it is happening to your character. And so I, I think in a lot of these cases, there are probably, um, you know, there's room for a lot of these concepts to be present as long as they're not gratuitous. Um, but, uh, you know, that's totally to taste. Um, but that's, that's a, I think, a useful concept to, like, frame how these things would be present in a campaign. Um, I have other stuff that's, like, rules-based, so it's emphasizing popular misunderstandings, like critical successes on ability checks, uh, which don't exist. Um, and um, I have a different initiative system that I'm thinking of using, which is similar to how we did it in Tomb of Annihilation, where um, I think I'm going to have them roll initiative a couple of times at the beginning of the session, and I'm going to record that, and that way we can jump right into combats, and I can just start right away instead of having them roll initiative at the beginning of each combat. I know a lot of people like to roll initiative at the start of a combat. To me, it's an uncomfortable pause, and it interrupts the flow of what's happening. I think that's actually an alternative rule in the DM guide mm. um <clears throat> I, either way i don't that I, I think that's a very reasonable change yeah yeah i'll have to look that up i don't remember and, and, and you can just change instead of like you know roll initiative you can just say it's time for initiative or it's it's initiative time or, it's time to fight the time has been initiated you know i will experiment with all of those rephrasing and you i'll let make you know it which slightly one works. different every time yeah. Maybe I'll just shout. Time. <laughs> um, it's time. Yeah, put your dukes up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's a, like a lot of stuff. Um, and so the way I'm handling it with this group is I am, I'm going to email them a document tomorrow that um, has this list and 
has you know a couple sentences for each one explaining what my position on it is. Very little of it is set in stone. Like I'm, I'm pretty flexible about it, and I think it should absolutely be tailored to the group. But um, yeah. Well, if you want to make sure that they understand what a bad session looks like, you can point them towards my most recent published work, uh, A Game Night Gone Wrong. I think I'll do that. I, I, I'm actually going to get it, uh, I'm going to print <laughs> it out, and I'm going to put it in front of them and say, okay, so this is kind of how I'm like expecting our session to go. This is my, this is my vision for us. And when they, um, when they awkwardly reply, and they're like, oh, that's great. I say, that's wrong. You should not have agreed with me. Um, and then I'll berate them. <laughs> you failed the test. Right. Once Smart. you have, like, if it's the Delta Green thing, once the supernatural element has been verified and your characters are like in it, you should make it set every action they take, they have to make a sanity roll. Mm-hmm. They'll love that. Yeah. Yeah, what I need to, what I'm hoping for is, you know, we switch to Delta Green at some point, and then I ask them, hey, like, what are, what are the boundaries here? And they're like, oh, well, I really don't want to do anything that's, like, you know, mental health related. Right? And then I, I realize like, that that's <laughs> the smartest Delta Green player that's ever started the <laughs> hobby. But, um, anyway, that's, uh, that was my topic that I had to contribute for tonight. Well, we're already an hour in, so you want to go ahead and get started? Uh, yeah. Let's, uh... Take a couple minutes, um, get a beverage. Oh, real quick, before we do that, let's um, make sure the beverage. Let's is do inspiration, like as discussed. Right, like everybody, go get like a tall glass of Everclear. Um, let's do inspiration. Okay, I'll uh, I'll start. I would like to nominate Jack for inspiration this time. Um, I thought it was awesome how like Eisen just kind of took charge and was like, "This is you know, we're in a dungeon. This is my I'm." This is, you know, this is where I lead and kind of just like drove the exploring from place to place. Uh, I Killing second that is my um, because name. the the last thing I want to do is lead us in a dungeon. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the fall. I'll take the blame when uh, when we all die. Yep, I liked that that bold leadership. That was good. Wow. I would like to nominate Light of Dawn for the 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 pushback. With uh, the wizard guy, where <laughs> we were just like, "Yeah, cool, let him go." And Light of Dawn was like, "Wait, this guy seems weird and possibly evil. Are we gonna do anything about this?" Nope. I mean, but he was, didn't uh, do anything. Yeah, I can't wait for that to come us, bite so. us in the butt. <laughs> no, it's great. Yeah. No, the good news is that's that's pretty much totally behind you at this point and won't ever impact the story. Yeah, I'm sure there won't be any fallout <laughs> at all. Um, so we sh- okay, we should just kill everyone we encounter from now on, you know, just in case. Right. I mean, it's for the greater good. Yeah, um, exactly. This is and this is actually I used several inspiration to keep that uh, amber thing grappled. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I no, I mean you, you guys, I <laughs> I was surprised. That was a close one. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Jack, take an inspiration. Um, Excellent. You, I think you I need have a, two. Yeah, you're. Uh, do you? After last session, I thought you burned all. I I think I had one in the tank left. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll assume for now I only have one, and I'll go check. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, rob you of anything. But uh, yeah, I have none. Okay, fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. So next time you roll a d20, do it with disadvantage. <laughs> yeah, you got it. 